Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss philosophy, faith, leadership, nonprofits, and a host of social issues. We want to add value and understanding the dignity and freedom of human beings. For more information, visit the website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're doing well during this state of our nation and state here in Arkansas. Hope you're doing well. Hey, do me a favor. Go to my website. Check it out. PhilipFletcher.org and subscribe. Got some great content there as well as YouTube. Just look up Humanity Matters. You'll see the red logo with the two faces. It's going to be a great time today as we go through HR 266. Some bill passed out of the Senate and talking about protest. What is this activity? How should we respond? So thanks for joining me. Hey, remember to be love, be kind, be generous. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Humanity Matters podcast. Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership and social issues. I want to engage ideas on what it means to be a free human being in pursuit of human flourishing. So I hope everybody is having a great Wednesday. It is rainy here in the natural state of Arkansas. And just looking forward to having a great discussion over the next 45 minutes or so. Be covering two main topics. Uh, HR 266, and that was the Paycheck Protection Program uh, Enhancement. And uh, that was passed by the Senate and is now headed to the House. And if it passes as it is written coming out of the Senate, then it goes to the president's desk. And if he doesn't have any problems with it, uh, he will sign it into law. And uh, some more money is going to be issued. And then we're going to talk about this idea, this activity called uh, protest. So, hey, join me. I am going to just open up with uh, just some thoughts. And we will jump right into H.R. 266. And so I am reading from uh, the Constitution of the United States. And we're just going to start with Amendment 1. And here we go. Amendment 1, the United States Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That is Amendment 1 of the Constitution of these United States of America. Hey, I got a poll up. If you are a small business, a nonprofit, any organization that has a nonprofit designation, I mean, that means a church, a school, Obviously, a small business, you're running it out of your home. Uh, you got a business, a small 
uh, with a maximum of 500 employees. Hey, take my poll. Did you, did your small business receive the PPP, that first round? Yes, no, ran out. Didn't, wasn't able to apply because it ran out of money. Uh, let me hear uh, from you. Let me hear from you. All right. And then we'll talk about it some more. So HR 266. All right. So a few weeks ago, Congress passed HR 748. That's the CARES Act. And the CARES Act made available uh, money, the EIDL for businesses. It made available the Paycheck Protection Program. It also made money available for the stimulus. Those are those checks, uh, direct deposits. Many of you have been receiving uh, and made available other funds as well. The Kennedy Center um, increased pay for Congress, uh, a host of different things. Uh, and the premise was this was to address everyday American citizens and businesses big and small, who have been impacted by uh, Corona or COVID-19, novel COVID-19, all right? So uh, part of that, the PPP, uh, $350 billion ran out like quick, okay? I believe it was last Thursday, uh, they ran out of money. And so Congress began scrambling uh, because they needed to get more money. Uh, it's been reported that big businesses were getting money, uh, it's been reported all types, churches, uh, all types of persons were getting money. And so the question is, what about the little guy? Because we've got this dynamic going on where you've got uh, state governments telling businesses that they have to be closed, right? So, and you know, this decision has consequences because there are businesses out there who can continue to run, if you will, business as usual using technology, for instance, all right? And they can continue on uh, to a degree. Yes, you know, they're going to be uh, impacted because of the economy, but more so than not, you know, there are businesses that can continue to drive on and not, not impacted by uh, a mandate uh, for businesses to be closed. But then you got these everyday small type businesses that uh, depend on people coming in their doors and shopping, right? These small businesses depend on people leaving their homes or leaving their jobs, uh, going out on the weekends and conducting a transaction with them. And, you know, they're kind of stuck. You know, they, they have a very small margin in which to work off of. And uh, this Paycheck Protection Program was supposed to help them. So, as a consequence, it ran out of money, all right? People still need work. It's kind of abstract when uh, businesses are gonna be open. I know uh, the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, he kind of released, he released today, not kind of released, kind of a phased approach on when uh, some businesses are going to open back up. But needless to say, as of right now, uh, there are some businesses that are closed. There are some people who have been laid off or there are businesses who are working, operating at reduced hours. And as a consequence, uh, persons have reduced hours and it impacts them, which in turn impacts households. And so you'll have people, you know, applying for unemployment. Uh, you'll have people 
you know, working part-time hours, but also uh, getting some support as well. And so the Senate, uh, the Senate is led by Senator Mitch McConnell out of my home state, my birth state, Kentucky. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he uh, put forward the HR 266. I'm getting a drink here. All right, and the title is the Paycheck Protection Program Enhancement. And I'm going to put a link for this bill uh, in the comments section. And if you would like to follow along, um, hey, follow along with me. All right, I want you to think I'm making things up. I want you to be able to read it for yourself. Okay, I think it's uh, very important that you understand what's in these bills. One of the things that I found was uh, there were people that were shook at who was receiving money um, and the different things that were coming out of the previous bill. And, you know, that just demonstrates, even I saw like journalists, like everyday news people, um, we have to read these bills. Okay. Now those two pre the previous bill uh, was pretty huge, but you're at home. Take a family affair, you know, and each of y'all uh, read the bills, okay? Portions of the bill and then talk about them. Uh, this bill that I just put in my comment section, HR uh, 266, it is only uh, 24 pages, all right? So really, um, you have no excuse not to read it. Uh, you know, turn off the Netflix, turn off the Hulu, um, and take the time and read this bill so that you can understand what's going on. It's 24 pages. Uh, I know just personally, you know, I've been irritated on some of the things that I've seen coming out of the previous bill because I'm like, why are you shocked? Like, why are you shocked? Uh, don't be surprised when different groups benefit from these bills. Um, it has to make you ask yourself and wonder, are, is Congress actually looking out for everybody? It's just something to think about. So it's Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters uh, podcast. We're going through HR 266, which was passed out of the Senate. If you want to follow along with me, I put the link to the bill in the uh, comment section. Hey, I got a poll up as well. Did you did your small business receive uh, the first round of the PPP? Hey, yes, no, or you didn't get a chance to because you ran out of money. Hey, share this uh, podcast or this video as well. I'd love to hear uh, you guys chime in. Um, my desire is to serve everybody here and to provide information. Uh, so what I'm going to do is uh, go through this bill. I will uh, just read it as is. I will uh, highlight some things in the bill that I think are of interest to everybody. And then I got a couple of questions and then we will continue on. Uh, I really want people to be informed. Be informed. All right. Uh, before you make a complaint, be informed. And so here we go. So the bill is broken up into two different set divisions, if you will. So there's a small business 
programs, Division A, and then Division B, additional emergency uh, appropriations. Okay, there is, again, Division A, small business programs, and then the second is uh, Division B, additional emergency appropriations for coronavirus uh, response. All right, so Division A, it uh, opens up this way. I'm just going to read this. So it's amendments to the Paycheck Protection Program. So what you're seeing is Division A and Division B are seeking to make amendments to the CARES Act. All right, so there will be language in this bill uh, that will read, uh, for instance, on page two, under Division A, Section 101, Amendments to the Paycheck Protection Program, Economic Injury, Disaster Loans, and Emergency Grants. All right. And in line 11, increased authority for commitments and appropriations for Paycheck Protection Program. Title I of Division A, the Corona Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. Public Law 116136 is amended. So, if you go to congress.gov and you look up the CARES Act, all right, the one that was signed into law, and if you go to Title I, okay, Division A, all right, of the CARES Act, you're going to see what's going to be amended. And so what is being proposed in H.R. 266, that's where we're going on over today, is an amendment to the CARES Act. And what they're amending is the Paycheck Protection Program. All right. So on page two, excuse me, page two, line 16. So it's broken up into two parts. Section 1102B1 related to the Paycheck Protection Program. All right. Originally, it was three hundred and forty nine billion dollars. That was passed in the CARES Act. And so they want to strike that and now make it six hundred and fifty nine billion dollars. All right. And then second line 19 in section 1107A1 of the CARES Act, the one that was signed by President Donald Trump and passed by the Senate and the House a few weeks ago, the 349 billion. All right. And inserting uh, 670 billion, 335 million dollars. All right. So what they're doing is they're going back and they are now amending that previous amount, adding more money to it to make made available to uh, small businesses. All right. Then for the economic injury uh, grants, all right, they sought to amend uh, the amount of, let me scroll down here to page three, line three. All right. Excuse me. The bottom of page uh, two, line 22. All right. Beginning B, increased authorization for the emergency EIDL grant, section 1107 of Division A of the Corona A Relief and Economic Securities Act. So, again, you got a reference back to the CARES Act that was passed. All right. This section is being amended. All right. What's being amended? The amount of money. So, in the original, it was 10 billion. Now they've added an additional 10 billion to bring it up to 20 billion. Okay. Now, uh, another change in another amendment is 
the eligibility of agricultural enterprises for economic injury disaster loans and emergency grants. Okay, so what they did is in line eight, all right, and they're referencing back again to the CARES Act. I know this is a little wonky. Just, just be patient with me. Again, I put the uh, bill in the comment section, okay, and we can go uh, through it. I'm not gonna go line by line, uh, but I'm giving you references in which you can refer back to, okay? Um, so agricultural enterprises. So what they did is in line A, in subparagraph D of the CARES Act, they by striking or at the end, and in subparagraph E, by striking the period at the end and inserting or and by adding at the end the following. So here's the new amendment, okay? An agricultural enterprise as defined in section 18B of the Small Business Act with not more than 500 employees. So those agricultural enterprises will have the opportunity to apply for funds as well. All right, hope y'all following with me, all right? Then on pages three through six, there is some amendments made so that banks, credit unions, and community financial institutions uh, can be supported as well with guaranteed loans. All right. So the question I have for this, because the big problem that came out was you had all of these, you know, large entities, different entities coming and accessing this money. All right. And a lot of people got left out. All right. So the question is, uh, for your congressman, because they're getting this bill next, all right? So your congressman or woman in the state that you live in, the district that you live in, is asking them what mechanisms are in place to avoid the problem that led to this new bill being considered? All right, so what are the mechanisms that are being in place? Now, you know, they limited 500 employees, okay? But... I mean, there's some prosperous businesses out there that's got 500 employees, right, uh, or less. I mean, there's some rocking businesses with just like five people. I mean, we've got to take these things into consideration and uh, how those persons are going to be helped. So that is Division A of uh, HR 266, HR 266 which is passed out of the Senate. And now what we're going to go to is Division B, all right? So Division A is really addressed the Paycheck Protection Program, the EIDL, uh, made some clarifications regards to agricultural type institutions and financial institutions, which include your, your banks, your credit unions, um, and your community type uh, financial institutions, okay? Now this bill transitions to additional emergency appropriations for coronavirus response. So uh, who this is addressing now is having funds designated to the Department of, uh, of Human Services, all right? Health and Human Services, all right? So beginning on page seven under Title I, Department of Health and Human Services, okay? Uh, 
Lines 9 through 12 say this. $75 billion are designated to, and I quote, <clears throat> beginning at verse, uh, excuse me, line 11, all right? That $75 billion to remain available until expended to prevent, prepare for, and respond to coronavirus domestically or internationally for necessary expenses to reimburse through grants or other mechanisms eligible healthcare providers for healthcare related expenses or lost revenues that are attributable to the coronavirus. All right, so we're looking at $75 billion uh, designated for the Department of Health and Human Services to prevent, prepare for, and respond to the coronavirus. All right, all right, so how's this gonna flush out? All right, well, if you go to uh, read lines 12 through 18 of page 8, okay? Go to page 8, lines 12 through 18, all right? We'll see also uh, usage. So what's this being used for? Beginning at verse 12, uh, line 12, that funds appropriated under this paragraph in this act shall be available for building or construction of temporary structures, leasing of properties, medical supplies and equipment, including personal protective equipment and testing supplies, increased workforce and training, emergency operations centers, retrofitting facilities and surge capacity. All right. So that's the usage for this money. All right. It goes on. If we go to page 10. Now, the other big question is testing. All right. Testing is another big uh, thing that's being talked about. So lines three through four addresses testing. Twenty five billion dollars is designated for COVID-19 testing. OK, and you can read uh, beginning at page 10, line three. It says to remain available until expended to prevent, prepare for or respond to coronavirus domestically or internationally for necessary expenses to research, develop, validate, manufacture, purchase, administer, and expand capacity for COVID-19 tests to effectively monitor and suppress COVID-19, including tests for both active infection and prior exposure, including molecular antigen serological test, the manufacturing, procurement, and distribution of tests. All right, so it goes further to say all right. It addresses the states. All right. So if we go down to line 21 and 25 of page 10 in the context of testing, what about the states? Provided that of the amount appropriated under this paragraph in this act, not less than 11 billion shall be for states, localities, territories, tribes, tribal organizations, urban Indian health organizations or health service providers to tribes for necessary expenses to develop, purchase, administer, and process and analyze COVID-19 tests. All right. And this will include support for workforces, epidemiology used by employers or other settings, scale up of testing in public health, academic, commercial, hospital, laboratories, and community-based testing sites. All right. So $11 billion. We continue to read. Uh, if you read uh, that there's, there's also a breakdown of the state-designated funding, which you can read beginning on page 11, 
uh, line 10. On page 12, beginning at line 24, all right, uh, some different monies have been designated. A billion dollars designated to the CDC for surveillance, epidemiology, and lab expansion. On page 13 and 14, uh, there are designations to the National Institute of Health, uh, the National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering, and the FDA. All right. The question I have, uh, again, that we should all ask to our congressman or woman in the district that we live in is regarding surveillance. All right. When does surveillance end of citizens who are exposed? That's a question that we need to ask. Okay. So this is Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters podcast, and we are going through HR 266, which is passed in the Senate. I'm glad uh, you're able to jump in and uh, participate. And now we are headed to Title II, which is under Division B of the Additional Emergency Appropriations for Coronavirus Response. All right. And on page 21, uh, there's some other designation of funds. SBA salaries and expenses, $2.1 billion. A disaster loan programs account, $50 billion. And the EIDL, which was re referenced above, uh, that we opened up with the $10 billion. Uh, so essentially, that's the bill. Okay, that's, that's the bill. Um, 24 pages. Kind of, I'm shocked that it was that small. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens once it goes over to the uh, House and under the leadership of uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And I, I hope uh, and I'm, that it remains like this. Uh, I would like to see bills like this broken up even further, right? Um, that each one of these dollar amounts are considered in its own bill, not all stacked into one bill, uh, but that each appropriation is discussed. Uh, I believe that would be uh, in a lot better keeping with who we are uh, as a constitutional republic. So I'm going to respond to some questions here and comments. I got two. Um, someone asked, uh, their spouse is still getting denied for unemployment. Um, the state of Arkansas has a mechanism in place. If, if uh, you're being denied unemployment, then you can appeal that uh, decision um, and, and go from there. So I would encourage you uh, to go to the Arkansas Department of Workforce Services and they, they can, uh, there's an appeals process and go through there. Uh, Patrick at states. Let's see here. The corruption that came with that $349 billion last installment was handled by politicians. Our president being a businessman as he is should know better than to allow our government to handle that kind of money at once. This should be a small business, a small business responsibility. He created a board of very successful business owners to disperse the funds that way. Uh, he doesn't have to demand funds to be paid back. I'm curious to know who will be approved for this next injection of funds totaling $485 billion for businesses with less than 500 employees. Yes, Patrick, 
it'll be interesting to see um, who receives these funds as well. So we are going to uh, transition uh, from the HR 266 bill. Again, I would encourage you to um, look at the bill yourself. If you got questions about it, if you're like, huh, why is it that much or why is it that way? Please contact your uh, congressman or congresswoman. Uh, that's why they are there. All right. And they should be able to answer your questions. Okay. So I'm gonna put up another poll. We're gonna talk about protests. All right. Protest. And hey. Protest. What about protests? So I think people are getting a little itchy in America. People are getting a little itchy in America. There are uh, groups gathering uh, across uh, our nation, all right, and going to different uh, capitals, and they are like, hey, it's time for business to open back up again, all right? Uh, we have people gathering uh, all over the nation, and they are seeking to hold their governments accountable. Now, remember, uh, if you missed it, I opened up with Amendment 1 of the United States Constitution, and I will read it once again. Uh, Amendment 1 of the United States Constitution states this, and I quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. All right. So every U.S. citizen has the natural right to speak and has the natural right to assemble. All right. And has the natural right to speak speak because they have a grievance. All right. So the activity of protest. All right. Review some protest in preparation for tonight's episode. And a common theme in protest is it is a group of people who have organized together against the actions of their government. So whether it's at a city, state, or federal level. All right, these groups have identified that the government has gone further than what should be allowed. All right, or the government has conducted itself in a manner that it is not in keeping with the Constitution of the United States, it's not in keeping with its state constitution or its local ordinances. And so as such, one person or multiple people gather together to protest. There's a guy in my city that I see downtown and he walks downtown with the United States flag 
upside down. And if you don't know what that means, I would encourage you to look it up. And so he walks downtown with some leaflets with the pat with the American flag upside down. And I would encourage you to just Google what that means. All right. But this is his form of protest. All right. He is speaking by using the flag and hanging it and waving it upside down or walking with it upside down. He is technically, you know, he's by himself, but he, you know, he's one person. All right. And he is petitioning his government. Really, it's a petitioning everyday citizens like, hey, this is what's going on. He gives out some information. But I would encourage you to look up what it means when you carry your flag upside down. All right. So men and we, men and women, protests have included men and women. Protests have included people of various ethnicities. Protests have been mixed groups of people of different political persuasions who identify the government is not in line with the freedoms of the citizens it represents. All right. So by definition, a protest is an expression or a declaration of objection, of disapproval or dissent, often in opposition to something a person is powerless to pre prevent or avoid. A protest against increased taxation, for example. All right. So this nation is built on protest. In fact, we got a whole holiday that embodies protests, July 4th. All right. Different ethnic groups celebrate protest here in our country. But this nation was built on protest. The first recorded protest was Germantown Friends protest against slavery in 1688. 1688. 1688. The Boston Tea Party didn't happen until 1773. So Quakers got together and they protested slavery. All right. They protested that men were being traded as objects. First recorded protest. Now, the protest that most you study in history, in your history books and, you know, in school and all that is the Boston Tea Party. All right. You know, co uh, colonials got together. They dressed as Indians. Uh, they got on British ships and they chose to pour all the tea out into the harbor. All right. Protests. There was the women's protest at the White House on August 28th, 1917. And these women were protesting because they wanted the right to vote. All right, which would later come to pass three years later, 1920. We have the March on Washington, led by uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, August 28th, 1963. That was a form of protest, all right? Most recently, uh, there's been the Iraq War protest, 2003. There's been the Occupy Wall Street protest, 2011. There's been Black Lives Matter protest, 2014. There's been 
the NFL protest 2016. There's been a protest over immigration a uh, year and a half so ago. Protest, protest, protest. Men and women coming together who are looking at their government, all right? And they are addressing a grievance. Challenging their government and saying, hey, you are not in keeping with the Constitution of the United States. The law that governs um, the conduct of Congress and the states. So what can we learn from our history about protest? So protest, as is, is I'm is learning, is the culmination of the First Amendment. All right. So when you seeing these men and women out on the steps of their capital, they are embodying three elements of the First Amendment. Assembly, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech and addressing a grievance that they have with their government. They are embodying what a lot of countries and a lot of citizens specifically across the world do not have the freedom to do. The second thing we can learn from protest is this reality. It is not meant to bring comfort to those in power or those who benefit from the actions of the government. So here's the interesting dynamic, okay? If you are a beneficiary of government action, you don't like protest. You don't like that protest. And the reason that you are feeling this discomfort with the protest, the reason that you disagree with this protest is because what this protest threatens is a way of life. I'm not saying it threatens your life. I'm, it is threatening, threatening a way of life. What is that way of life that you are benefiting from a particular action or policy that is being carried out by your local state or federal government. And so when a group of people see that, hey, that's not right. Not only does it bring discomfort to the government officials, but it also brings a, a level of discomfort to those who benefit from the actions of the government. That's protest. Protesters are not meaning to acquiesce to the demands of government and its beneficiaries, rather protesters are desiring that their government walks in lockstep with the Constitution of the United States, the state constitution, local ordinances, but ultimately the Constitution of the United States. The third aspect of protest is the most beneficial aspect of protest is a protest that is nonviolent. Yes, there have been protests with violence, all right? But protests that are nonviolent, all right? 
Protests that are nonviolent keeps the main thing the main thing. All right. So as long as Martin Luther King kept it nonviolent, the main thing was voting. The main thing was segregation. The main thing was being treated as a human being. All right. So what they protested was government enforced segregation. What they protested was the government not enforcing the constitutional right of persons, black persons, men and women to vote without obstruction. So nonviolent protest keep the main thing the main thing. It keeps the focus on the grievance. Because soon as violence breaks out, the grievance is forgotten about. And what it becomes is uh, those protesters need to be addressed. Right? Because of the destruction of property or the threat to, to someone's life. All right? Next. Private citizens' reaction to protest. Recently with COVID, we have uh, protesting of closures of businesses, of schools, of worship, places of worship, and places of leisure, uh, private and public. All right. So one of the things, some things we need to consider, those who protest are viewed as not concerned about life. Just in some some research that I've done and looking at different comments here on Facebook and on Twitter and reading articles, there is the specific statement or the implication that these men and women who are protesting and are wanting businesses to open back up, uh, activities to uh, occur so that people can generate an income um, or do things for uh, to improve their health and wellness, okay? Uh, those who protest are viewed as not concerned about life. Now, if you look at history, how have people responded to protesters? And this is interesting because on one moment, you can find yourself as supporting a protester. And then in the next, very next moment, you can find yourself against protesting. Why? Because you are perceiving it as a threat to your way of life. Those who protest are concerned about money. Here's another thing that is said. So the first thing that is said about those who are protesting now, uh, they are not concerned about human life. All right. The second thing that is said, those who protest are concerned about money over human life. The third thing that is said is protesters are appealing or one of the, the uh Things I am realizing that protesters are appealing 
to the Constitution, whereas those who reject the protest appeal to something subjective. Okay? So questions to ask. For those of you that disagree with the protesters, or any protests for that matter, because there'll be another one after this, like there was ones before this. Question you can ask yourself, what idea or action is being specifically protested? So you have to be in, get informed. All right. Ask somebody. Don't go to the news, but go ask somebody. Hear what it is that they have to say. Get informed. Second. Who is the object of the protestation? Who is the object? Who is the protest being directed at? Third, for a level of to cultivate empathy, have you ever participated in a protest? Do you remember the responses to the protest? How did you feel? All right. Questions for my protesters. What are you specifically protesting and what is your constitutional support? Educate people. Inform people. Provide reasonable, logical explanation as to why you're protesting. Second, how are you conducting your protest? Again, nonviolent protest, keep the main thing the main thing. All right? As soon as you introduce other elements that create a distraction from the main thing, you lose momentum. Three, can you explain your protest in a manner which persuades people rather than repels people? Can you persuade people to come to your side rather than present the protest in such a way that it repels people or offers some type of confirmation bias? All right. And then four, what are the objections to your protest? So just like the person against your protest, I started how they need to be informed about your protest. You should too, and this is how I'll end this, be informed about the objections to your protest so that you can effectively address those protests. So I hope that was helpful tonight. Uh, we've gone through HR 266 and we have uh, looked at this uh, idea, uh, this activity, excuse me, of protest. I hope this was helpful. I will uh, post this on my Facebook uh, for you to go back and reference if you want to learn something. Hey, share with your kids. All right. Uh, second part, especially about protest. I think that's very helpful because more than likely one day you're going to have one of those kids that's going to be out there protesting. I've done it. I remember when the L.A. riots happened back in 92. We walked. All right. So 
Uh, I remember that. At some point, we're going to do it. I've done protests, essentially. Love Your Neighbor March. That's kind of a protest, right? Done a couple here in Conway. Uh, but the goal has always been to keep the main thing the main thing. Hey, thank you for joining me tonight in the Humanity Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher, where my goal is to discuss ideas, all right, about human flourishing for all of you created in freedom, men and women. Uh, like this on Facebook, share it. Find me on YouTube, Humanity Matters. Just find the red faced, red logo with the white faces, Instagram and Twitter. Hey, go to my nonprofit, coho58.org, where we are helping out families during this COVID-19 time. Uh, Also support uh, Conway Gives. That's coming up May 5th um, as my organization is working with some great other organizations. Conway Ministry Center, Bethlehem House, United Way, Salvation Army, CAPCA uh, to help families. So that's another way that you can give. Uh, remember to be loved to somebody. Find somebody that you disagree with, that you're having a hard time understanding, and be the embodiment of love. Remember to be kind. Speak to people in kind ways. If you can have a disagreement, do it in kindness. And be generous. Buy somebody a drink, cash app somebody, PayPal somebody. I don't know. Uh, be generous to somebody. Surprise somebody. I was fortunate. Uh, somebody had texted me and they wanted to be a blessing uh, to a, a family in one of our coho communities. And I walked into the office and I told my staff, hey, there was on a spreadsheet they was working on. I said, who's number 12 on the spreadsheet? And they told me the name and I said, well, contact them. Uh, somebody wants to be a blessing to them. So um, I appreciate uh, that generosity that was displayed today. So be loved. Be kind, be generous, and if we remember, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So y'all take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous.